Hi there, I'm Monica Kelly. My guest today is Pastor Paul Palmer. He is the founder of the Atlanta Dream Center. So good to have you, Pastor Paul. It's so good to be with you, Monica. Tell me a little bit about your faith journey. Sure. I got saved. Uh, I wasn't really raised in the church, and I got saved at uh, 28 as a hippie in Northern California in Grass Valley, Nevada City area. That was the beginning of my journey. Shortly after, my wife and I reconciled a marriage that was been divorced. We were separated for three years. And from that point on, we just ventured into ministry, pastored a couple of great churches in Northern California, and then decided to come out here to Atlanta in, in our 50s, early 50s, and start a whole new life, doing a whole type of different ministry than we've ever done in the past. That's pretty much it. And now I'm in my 70s and still at it. And it's been an exciting, exciting journey. 42 years of nonstop loving Jesus and with the ups and downs and the bumps and all the squeezes and hugs. It's been a wonderful, wonderful life. Were there any challenges that led you to Jesus? Tell me a little bit more about that. Sure. Yes. Uh, my wife and I got married young, got drafted in my senior year in high school, and uh, we got married. And then a couple of years later, we just started living that hippie life. And we, we indulged deeply. We became not a wannabe. We became the real thing. And marriages just cannot survive that kind of lifestyle. So we separated, separated for three years. I'm in a living situation with somebody else. And that person went to church and came home and told me they couldn't live with me anymore because I was a married man. So I went to church to hopefully prove to that person that uh, that church was crazy. And I uh, walked in and they loved me when I was unlovable. And there was a lot of miracles that went along with that as well. 55 churches in that neighborhood. They had a chalkboard, no electronics in 1979. They had a chalkboard with my name and my wife's name on it. And it was a prayer list. Every Wednesday, they would pray for those on that board. And a friend of ours got saved, would write mine and Patty's name on that chalkboard. 55 churches in that neighborhood. And I walked into the one that was praying for us. Gave my life radically over to Jesus and uh, never, never looked back. That's incredible. That's amazing. It has been amazing. And you and your wife reunited. You ended up, like you said, coming to Atlanta to start the Atlanta Dream Center. What is the Atlanta Dream Center? Well, if you're familiar with Tommy Barnett in the L.A. Dream Center, he was the first one that really had the idea and the dream. He and Matthew, his son. Dream Center is just a, a cliche name, which means we believe that God has given us all a dream. A uh, God dream, not a man dream where we could accomplish it without him, but a God dream that's impossible to fulfill without his intervention in our lives. So we believe that everybody has one. Most people have walked away from them, forgotten them, or had them stolen from them. And we just want to restore those God dreams for the relationship through Jesus Christ. So we took Tommy Barnett and Matthew Barnett's idea in the L.A. Dream Center and brought it to Atlanta. And it's kind of a 24-hour church. Uh, you're on the street, you have hotlines, you just have opportunities for anybody that's ready to come off the street or get a life change or just ask a question or maybe get some help in some arena in their life that day. Uh, it's just a 24-7 type of ministry. That's incredible. Now, you do something very unique every year for your birthday. What is that? I gain about five pounds. <laughs> <laughs> no, in reality, uh, I go homeless on my birthday. Um, not for a long length of time. Um, I started this maybe five years ago when I, as a fundraiser, I think I was 66 and um, I went homeless for 66 hours. And I'm in real homelessness. I, I experienced homelessness during my separation from my wife in those three years in Northern California. But um, in the inner city and hitchhiking up and down the coast is a little different, but I really go homeless. So you take $10 uh, to start with. And usually that's gone by lunch and live on the street. Uh, don't live in buildings unless it's a vacant building and it's not locked. We don't break windows to get in. 
and uh, just walk the streets, minister to people. Um, it's a relationship time with the people on the street. They see me all the time. We're on the street constantly, but when I'm living on the street with these people, it's um, just a deeper relationship. So that's what I do on my birthday. Uh, last year, I turned 70, so I spent 70 hours, and next May, I'll do 71 hours. What made you decide to start doing that? Well, Monica, I used to do a motorcycle run. I, I like Harleys and choppers. I used to ride my bike across country as a fundraiser and then give my motorcycle away. Uh, I ran out of motorcycles, and I had to come up with something new. And homelessness you know, is one of our biggest outreach ministries. And I thought this would be a cool thing to do, not only to bring awareness to the people that support us, but they could follow me on the street as we do our blogs every day or a couple times a day. And they can see what homelessness is from an upfront view, you know, front row view in a sense. And, uh, and it was also a means to, to raise money for the uh, programs we put people in. We're this year put over 600 people into programs. We pay for those programs. And so we had to raise money to cover that cost as well. So what kinds of situations and, and people have you run into as you've been out there on the streets and being homeless? Okay. Well, the people I run into, uh, it's, it's quite the gamut. Uh, police, obviously. Uh, I remember getting kicked out of a stairwell on a rainy night. Um, and I don't tell them I'm the pastor or anything. I just, you know, because I want to be real homeless. Um, and I knew the mayor. He came out and saw me, uh, not the former mayor, but the prior mayor, came out and saw me and hung out with me for a little while. And then we meet moms and children that are homeless, uh, a lot of drug dealers and drug addicts. Uh, drugs is probably one of the major emphasis on homelessness. And then some mental illness, which is um, it's sad. Uh, it's really I'm lost when it comes to those that are really suffering from mental illness. Uh, we could build a relationship and talk and become friends. But as far as knowing how to assist them and finding people that will assist them is a difficult task. So it's quite a gamut, uh, Monica. It's just not people sleeping under a bridge somewhere. It's um, business people I meet on the street as well. We don't panhandle, but people ask us, you know, what are we doing? Especially when we're sitting around talking or praying at a table, hoping that we'll be able to get some food soon, <laughs> you know? Yeah, just a gamut of people. How does it feel to be homeless? Dirty, tired. Time seems to creep. Uh, days seem to be 48 hours, not 24 hours. Sore, uh, sleeping on the ground. I sleep on the ground. Uh, last year, I just took a towel with me and, uh, and, and change of clothes and some, you know, personal items. Uh, and at my age, sleeping on concrete isn't uh, real pleasant anymore, so I get a little sore tired. I do a lot of walking. Uh, we walk to where we can find meals. We, Like I said, we don't panhandle, but there's places that are set up in the city where you can get a meal. And so we go to and fro on that. Uh, but uh, mainly just tired and, and really, uh, I guess the terminology, we burned out just in 70 hours. It's amazing. I couldn't imagine being out there for seven years or 17 years or 27 years, but uh, it's um, not a life that I would choose to live. Spiritually, what's it been like for you? It's a good time spiritually for me. One, you have a lot of time on your hands. Uh, so it's a lot of good time of reading and just praying and uh, reflecting. Uh, I get to see every year we get to see people come off the street, which is exhilarating. I mean, that part is like, yeah, this is great. We see it happen all the time, but when you're on the street and you're walking with them or you're trying to break bread with them somewhere and, and they just, just say, they just say, Pastor Paul, I'm ready, you know, and um, we'll walk them back to the, the facility and uh, get them set up with some of our staff. And next day or two days later, they're on a bus going to a program. I mean, that's exhilarating. That is, um, that's the fun part. And um, I don't know, Monica, I, I think, I think it's kind of an everyday life for us in this type of ministry. And we're not the only ones that do this. There's great men and women around the nation are doing this. But I can only speak for us. It, it is, it's normal in a sense, living the abnormal life. 
I don't know if that clicks with anybody or clicks with you. Our lives aren't really that normal when we're in ministry, but it seems or it's come to this place where it's just what we do. What do you think the biggest misconception people have about those that are experiencing homelessness? I think they feel that, and the people in homelessness feel this too, so it's not really a bad judgment that they have no value, that uh, nobody cares. Uh, I think I think most people feel nobody really cares about them, but every one of these men and women that we meet uh, had moms, had dads that, you know, that had high hopes and aspirations and dreams for their children. And um, somewhere along the line, mo- most of our homeless people in our population, you know, the self-inflicted, uh, they've made some bad choices. Very few have just fallen on bad luck. But I, I think the biggest m- misconcept is that uh, they don't have value, and they really do have value. Um, uh, and, and that they all choose to be there. It, that's partly true. They do choose in a sense because they've made bad choices, but it's not that they want to stay there. And uh, a lot of them have come off and failed and gone back and back and forth. Uh, but I, I think as far as a misconcept, you know, when you don't experience walking somebody's shoe, it's hard to really understand uh, the life, the reason they're there. Uh, why aren't they getting off the street? Uh, they're annoying. And, and let me tell you, homeless people can be very annoying, you know, panhandling, and they can be really frustrating as well. So I, I don't blame anybody for having that misconcept or not understanding or being angry or just want to get rid of them. I, I get it. But the real fact is they're really people, real people that have made some stupid choices for the most part. And uh, they want to be loved. They really want hope and they want hope given back to them. When you're out there just for those 70 hours, this lesson, three days, you kind of go, gosh, all I do is walk around looking for something to eat. And there's plenty of food, but I have to walk for it because I don't have money for the bus. And uh, you just wait for the sun to go down to find a place that's safe to go to bed. And hopefully nobody wakes you up in the middle of the night like that. Maybe night the cops came and made me get up and leave. But um, so, yeah, misconcepts. I think we only can make a concept for what we know, and I think a lack of knowledge or lack of experience doesn't give us a just reason to think what we think. Have you experienced the presence of Jesus when you've been out on the streets? Oh, yeah. Yeah, in different ways. Um, protection. Um, we, we, we work in some pretty violent neighborhoods, uh, so protection is well. We've never had a personal incident. We've been on the street where we're close enough where we get hear the snap of a gun going off, not just the pang, but the snap of it. We're close enough to the gun of the shooters, and we've seen people get mugged and beat. Um, ask me that question again, because I think there's another part of the answer, but I forgot what it was. What was the question one more time, Monica? The question was, have you, have you really sensed the presence of Jesus? Oh, yeah, so protection. And when we see a life turn around and people, gosh, Monica, you're out there with somebody, and I don't know what it is, it's the Holy Spirit, you start talking to them with sincerity, look them in the eye, learn their name and call them by their name, not just, hey, you. Uh, they start, majority of them will weep, literally weep. And when you pray for them, and I, I pray with my eyes open, this is something I did, started decades ago, especially when I was on the street, didn't want to close my eyes, I wanted to be, know what my surroundings were. And I, I have them look at me when I pray with them. And Monica, when you stare at anybody, really, anybody, start praying with sincerity and and the Holy Spirit gives you a word of knowledge or something that causes them to know that God is speaking to them. They just tear up. 
and it runs down their face and the tears and oh yeah, the presence of God is truly there. And then you hug each other. We both stink at that time, you know. <laughs> so we got two stinky people hugging each other and weeping together. And and then when you see them go off, they look like little kids. They're so full of joy, you know, because we'll put them on an airplane or a bus. But you know, some of these people have never been on a plane, and we'll ship them off to Florida or California for a program and. Uh, they're just like little kids. It, it's uh, I do see the presence of God out there. How has this all changed you? Well, jokingly, I realized I am old. <laughs> so I was fooling myself prior to going home. This, um, I, I don't know if it's really changed me. It's just given me another experience in this memoir that I have of my past. These experiences uh, changed. I don't think it has literally changed me. I I can't say I have more compassion. Uh, I can't say I learned something homeless because I was homeless in my youth. I think it's more of a checkoff for, you know, like, yes, I get to do this. Can can I say this? This is silly, Monica. I get to do this. Now, that's not something most people would want to say. So for me, it's it just adds to my life. It adds to experiences. Experiences I can't read in a book and understand. I can't have somebody tell me. I ha- actually lived it. And um, to answer that question, I just have to say once again, I don't know if it's truly changed me. It's just added to who I am. Well, thank you for doing that and being uncomfortable out there because especially the part about sleeping on the ground. Do you even get any sleep? <laughs> the first night is horrible. It hurts. I sleep on my side, so my hips get real sore. And uh, the second night, it's pretty good. The last night, I'm so tired, I, I'm exhausted. I fall pretty much to right to sleep. So, yeah. And if it's not raining. If it's raining, it's a different story. When it's all over, do you go home and sleep for a week? No. No, usually I come home and have a birthday party because I end on my birthday. So I come home and my grandkids and my children are here. And we have a birthday party. And, and uh, then it's back to work, you know, the next day. So, Well, thank you so much for your time, Pastor Paul. Well, thank you, Monica. This has been a lot of fun reminiscing with you. Thank you. If somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to do that? ATL Dream Center, AtlantaDreamCenter.com. Uh, they could do a memo there or information. I would use uh, the Dream Center email, Pastor Paul, at AtlantaDreamCenter.com. And those are the two ways to do so. And we'd be glad to talk to anybody and share our dreams and, and some of our experiences. Actually, invite them out to be a team with us for a week. It'd be a lot of fun to have them come on the street with us.